The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And summer is officially here. And we are back on track, baby. Summer movies are back, too. I know it's been well over a year since a lot of us were in the movie theater and got to see a movie on the big screen. But those days are done now as we are getting ready to go back to the theater. And that's why um, big movies are starting to come out again this summer. And to celebrate that, our friend Nikki Novak from Fandango returns to Talk is Jericho for the fourth or fifth time to give us the scoop on what to see and what to skip she's got some great trivia behind the scenes info about a lot of the films the stars the directors and the potential awards they could win we're covering everything from Zack snyder's army of the dead which stars my bro and talk is jericho alumni dave batista to jordan peele's latest horror offering candy man looking forward to that aretha franklin's biopic or is it biopic with with jennifer hudson to luca the latest animated movie about pixar from pixar about two sea monster friends we're also talking Space Jam uh, with LeBron James, A Quiet Place 2, Fast and Furious 9, Marvel's Black Widow, DC Comics, The Suicide Squad, plus Nikki and I have some info about the long-awaited, highly anticipated Peter Jackson documentary about the Beatles. It's called Get Back, and it's Peter's version of the 56 hours of footage that the Beatles shot uh, for Let It Be and has not been seen or heard from since that ill-fated 1969 documentary was made. So let's get to it. It's the summer movie preview with Nikki Novak, and it starts now on Talk is Jericho. And we'll just jump right into you. You always take such great notes. And of course, it's the return of, of Nikki Novak to talk about the, uh, the summer movie, fall movie, which is so exciting to even say because there's been no movies for the last year and change. It's, it's so crazy to think. That's something we used to do on a weekly, bi-weekly basis. I I went to one movie last year. That's it. What did you see? I saw um, Peninsula, which was the sequel to Train to Busan, which is a Korean zombie movie. See, I love it when you tell me about movies that I haven't seen yet. That's the greatest way to kick this off, by the way. It is. <laughs> so funny is I actually went back to look when the last time we recorded was, and Avengers Endgame was just coming out. Oh, my exactly. gosh. So that's speculating. Was it going to be the highest grossing movie of all time? Or was it going to be Avatar? What was it going to be? So crazy, right? That that's how long it's been. And yeah, there's been no, uh, that was the last Marvel movie. And when was that? Was that 18? It was 18. My goodness. Right. So 
yeah, like yeah. So 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 just to get like so so Train to Busan and Peninsula, there are these great Korean zombie movies, but they will literally make you cry. They're so worth watching, even if you're not super horror motivated, because they're very emotional. Korean horror movies are like that. There's a lot of heart to it. So if you ever thought you'd cry at a zombie movie, Train to Busan is the one to cry at. I just, well, I've seen Train to Busan. I oh, okay. Sequel. But um, when you're saying that, I'm thinking, because I just watched Army of the Dead yesterday with David Right. Batista, okay. Zack Snyder movie. I'm a huge Zack Snyder fan. And that movie made me cry. Like I, they did a really, he did a really good job. Although Zack Snyder's really good at, I don't know if you saw Justice League or not, knowing how you feel about superhero movies and that it was four hours, I feel like you haven't seen it. That's just too much. And he's great with like the soundtrack. Like he he gets the right music to get you in the right mood. And then he just like got me in the feels. But yeah, it was a pretty gory movie, but you know, really fun, like fun gore set in Vegas. We'll talk about it, but before we jump into that though, I just want to say like, it was interesting talking about, did you go to any movies in the theater last year at all by chance? No, because California, I'm in California. Right. I mean, I couldn't even have gone if I wanted to. There was one opportunity because Christopher Nolan had a screening of Tenet. Right. But it was like, you had to drive out of state. You had to drive to Vegas to see it. The thing that was weird, though, so so we had a day off in Jacksonville, and because Florida, obviously, and the theater was so clean, it was like flying to where like sh- they should have done this years ago. Like everything was clean, and they had, they had, you know uh, sanitized it. And when you leave the movie, you actually take your popcorn out and you throw it away. And I was like. Were we, were we living like barbarians before? Like, wh- why did it take a pandemic to make us do this? I know. And like, I know you've never been so clean, right? Just go to the theater. You'll feel like you <laughs> exactly. have Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's going to be like that, you know, moving forward. And like social distancing and, and maps and all that kind of thing. You're going to have that for a while. Although, you know, they're changing everything by the minute. So who, mm-hmm. who knows, right? Like, like in California, they're changing the laws. So they're saying like indoors, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to be distanced, but it's really going to be up to the theater chains to mandate what to they're decide, yeah. going to yeah. be. So, yeah. As of now, it's social distancing, I think 50% capacity, but who knows if it's going to change. So let me ask you this. When you said, uh, talk about Tenet, like Tenet was a big budget movie. And I feel that they kind of took a risk that might not have paid off in having it go to the theaters because nobody was going to the movies last year. And this is, a, what, a $50 million budget movie or so? Oh, it was more than that. I think it was more like uh, 200 200 So how could they ever hope to recoup that? And why did they rush it? Was, was, there, was there some kind of a strategy to it? Well, a lot of it, and this is conjecture because I wasn't in the room, but a lot of it apparently was Christopher Nolan. Who is the biggest proponent of going to see things on the movie screen? Like on a big screen, he's not the guy that, you know, is going to want people to see his movie. And he was even willing to wait. So they pushed it and they pushed it. And then I think it became sort of like the great experiment. The problem was, is it then released during another wave, right? So there was wave. So, you know, a lot of what I think gets people going to the theater is word of mouth. And there's like a collective word of mouth, right? So like if you have certain states that are open and they can go see it and they're digging the movie, well, you don't get that 
nationwide buzz, even worldwide, like social media buzz, where everybody's talking about something at the same time that gets mm-hmm. people to go. So when you have certain states that are like, cool, I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's hard to get that excitement around a film, right? And then I think they waited. I'm, I'm trying to think of how long they waited before they released it on um, HBO Max, because that's been a whole thing this year. I don't know if you're aware of is that. Yes. Um, yeah, Warner Brothers has released day and date, promised that everything releasing in 2021 was going to release on HBO Max at the, sa- at the same day as in the theaters. And now people are saying, well, now that things are opening up, are they going to go back on that? Because like Dune's opening later this year. That's mm-hmm. a, that's like a big screen movie. And they've doubled down and said, no, we promised you we're going to do. But moving forward to 2022, it's all going to go back to theatrical release. And then you can see it at home, I think, for the most part. It's interesting. I just looked up Tenant. It said that it still made uh, $363 million off of $200 million, which I think is still a loser, but that's not half as much as I thought they're going to lose. No, and part of what made it a success was the international box office. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't get the, the domestic box office that you normally get for a Nolan film, but the fact that other countries had opened up and we're going back as normal to movies really made up for that. I mean, normally you would probably, that movie probably would have made seven, 800,000, right. 6,000 million, but yeah. So it made less. Um, and it was a decision. Like, like I said, I heard that it was Nolan. I heard it was a lot of Nolan that he really insisted, but you know what? Good for him. If that's what he felt and that's what he was passionate about. And in a sense, it kind of, he talks about like the integrity of, of, wanting to preserve that because if everybody had just caved mm-hmm. would then go back to going to movies in a normal way right like we are planning and now having people like him and then tom cruise got behind the movie i don't know if you remember he he like showed himself going to the movie in london right and the whole <laughs> tom cruise. <laughs> we, love him. we discussed this but yeah but you know and then one last thing talking about kind of last year was um coming to america too uh, sorry, coming to America. I hate when they do that. They released it via Amazon Prime and apparently made money off of it. So that was kind of the other way to do it. It did great. It did great. I mean, it was one of those that, uh, you know, obviously he's a name and it's a beloved franchise and people wanted to see it. And I was supposed to be released by a studio and then Amazon bought it and decided to release it. And it was like when you looked at the Nielsen charts week after week, because Nielsen now does streamers, mm-hmm. uh, it was it was like the number one for several weeks. So, you know, it, I think moving forward, every studio is going to look at every title. They're not going to be like, all of our movies are going to do this. I think there's going to be some that are obviously like the Marvels, you know, like the superhero movies are going to go to theater. And you're not mm-hmm. going to be able to see them, see them at home for a certain window. But then other ones like that, like, do you really need to go see that movie on a big screen? Or, you know, is there a great streaming option where it could do really well? The whole big question, though, is subscribers. Like, or how are they making their money back? And it, they've got to have the subscriptions up in order for them to really right. make money, right? Because Kong versus Godzilla did that as well, right? That one did great. I think it did over a five-day weekend. It did $48 million, which was a huge sign of, you know... Right movie, right time, the kind of movie you got to see on a big screen, right? Mm. And it exceeded expectation. I say, and I think a lot of studios were looking to that movie. Well, how's that going to do? And that's a sign of how you know whether or not people are going to go back to the theater in America. But you know, over in China and Japan, 
and even Australia, they're having record numbers of people going to the theater post-pandemic, even bigger numbers than pre-pandemic. So I think people are anticipating and who knows what's going to happen because it always cha- it changes, but they're anticipating that people are going to go back more than ever because now you're like, okay, for, you know, for a couple of years, it was like, you know, I like to just Netflix and stay at home mm-hmm. or I watch. Now it's like, oh my gosh, I miss going to the movies. I miss that feeling. Right. It's fun, right? Like you go and you're like, oh, I didn't realize how much I miss this. And it's just cool to be immersed in it. So, yeah. I remember, I remember talking to my dad about this when VCRs first came out. And I was like, you know, is this going to kill the movie theaters? Like people love the experience of going out and going to the theater. That will never change. And I think I think that fits again. Here we are, you know, in 2020, almost 40 years later, and that edict is still the same. Yeah. And also now streaming, people were sort of saying, is it going to be streaming or theaters? Now we realize they can coexist and feed off each other. Because when you look at what Disney is doing, Disney and Marvel, there's been like WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier are spinoffs of Marvel movies that are now TV series that kind of get people excited and, you know, subscribe right. to Disney+. Plus. But then it's because then once you've seen that, you got to go see the next Marvel movie in theaters. So it can, it works both ways. And I just think good content is good content. And if people people don't have a limit to how much good stuff they want, you know, it's not like they're going to be like, oh, I just want to. There's so much out there, but if it's good, people will go see it. Whether it's a theater, whether mm, it's right, they'll seek it all out. If they're not choosing between the two, they want both. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Let's talk about some of the movies that came out. You mentioned uh, uh, Army of the, is Army of the Dead. Is that what we're calling it? Yeah, Army of the Dead. And that was always supposed to be made for Netflix. This is not a movie that was supposed to be for the theaters that they transferred to Netflix, is it? Right, right. That was Zack Snyder directly making a movie for Netflix. Unless I'm wrong, I didn't do my research on that one. But as far as I know, it was it was. Always- I think so. Yeah, that just shows too that Netflix is putting in these you know huge. $100 million budget to make their own movies for their own Netflix studio, right? Right. They just released their summer slate and they sort of made this promise to fans in 2021. They were going to have a new release every week. And they do, whether it's a, whether it's a series or whether it's a movie, they have something releasing every week. What's interesting about what they did with Army of the Dead is they actually released it in theaters a week before. Oh, really? So I think they are now experimenting with the idea of like, we have these big movies that we're making for ourselves. We're not acquiring them. Big names. Should we try the theatrical model and have stuff go? Or are we going to upset our consumer where they're going to be like, well, hold on. I subscribe to Netflix. I've been I've been loyal. Now you're telling me I got to go see this in the theater. But, you know, it was only a week. So I think it was those people who are Zack Snyder fans, love zombie movies. It was a big, you know, it was a big grand movie that a lot of people were like, look, I'll go a week early and see it in the theater because I want to have that experience. And I'll probably watch it again on Netflix a week later. So it's not like it was like three months in the theater before people could see it on Netflix. But I think we're starting to experiment with that theatrical model. 
And I don't see that being a problem anyways. Like if, if you subscribe to Netflix, that's probably because you want to watch it in the confines comforts of your own home. You're not so worried about the fact that only I can watch this movie. It's more like I don't have to go out to do it. So if you want to go see it in the theater, go for it. Who cares? I mean, I can see that doesn't bother me. Yeah, and I think what a lot of people do with Netflix, and I know this just from reviewing Netflix movies quite often, um, I think a lot of people, what they do, they don't necessarily seek out a movie on Netflix. Occasionally they will. They'll be like, oh, I heard about this. I want to see it. But a lot of people just turn it on. They see what the new release is, and they watch it. You know what I mean? They just right. start, it's used to channel surf. Like, they just surf through Netflix, and they say, oh, there's a new, like, you know, Amy Adams had a movie called Women in the Woman in the Window that came out as like a Hitchcockian kind of movie a couple of weeks ago or last week. And, you know, it wasn't a great movie, but it was number one because why? It was the new thing on Netflix. Right. Right, 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 right. It's on their homepage and they turn it on. But movies like Army of the Dead that has like a legitimate, he has a legitimate fan base. You know, well, people will seek out that title perhaps in theaters. So, well, and his last, he did the, the remake for Dawn of the Dead, which was amazing. It's one of my favorite movies, even more so than the original Dawn of the Dead. So, I think a, a Zack Snyder zombie movie is something that I would very much be interested in seeing. Totally, totally. And he said, like, you know, people were like, was this a sequel to Ar Army of the Dead? And he's like, no, it's his own, it's its own thing. But it really was like, I, I actually watched it. They sent me a screener and I watched it at home. And I was thinking watching it, like, I'm kind of doing this movie a disservice by watching it at home because the spectacle of it. And like, I don't know if you saw the trailer, but like the thousands of like in Vegas. And, you know, the, the, the soundtrack, like if you've saw it in a Dolby, that's the other thing that we're seeing is that when people are going back, they're going back. They want it. They're seeking out like premium theaters. Mm. Like they want Right. Will be sound the IMAX. They're like, look, if I'm not going to be at home, I want it to be as opposite to being at home as possible. Like, I'll spend the extra money to be like in a cool theater. Um, we'll and then people are booking these private watch parties where you can book out a whole theater for like 20 people. Oh yeah, that's smart. That's super fun too. Like you, you know, it's like 200. Starts at like 200 bucks, but like 20 people chip in, and there you go. You get that's great. <laughs> you get a bar. You can go to the bar and have have that. Order dinner now. Yeah, it's a great night out. But we'll see if it's like can be lucrative for movie theaters moving forward because you know twenty people in a with a whole. But you know it's, it's great for these multiplexes that have all these tiny little theaters because mm -hmm. right now people are booking up all the big you know premium theaters and they got these little ones that are sort of sitting empty. So it's kind of a perfect thing right now. We'll see. So yeah, so Army of the Dead. Uh, I, I'm going to just go each movie. This one interests me, and I'm looking forward to seeing this. And you've already seen it. I've already seen it. It's already um, in the theaters now. Okay. It's in theaters, but it'll all, it's already now it's going it, to, now it's on Netflix. So you can okay. watch it on Netflix. Zombies and, uh, and big Dave or that's, uh, it, that's a good, that's a good mix. I'm, I'm going for that one. And Zack Snyder. So I'm in for that. Yeah. There's a lot of kick-ass women in it too. Like really cool women. A lot of, you know, he, Snyder always has that in his movies too. He always has the kick-ass women in there. Yeah. It's Tig Nataro. Is that her name? Tig Nataro or Tig Nataro? Um, hmm. That took over for Chris Deli. Oh, here's one really cool thing about this movie that I didn't even realize before when I watched it and read it afterwards. Um, Chris Delia, you know, he had that whole um, he had like some, I think, a sexual harassment issue or or something like that. He was actually in the film. Mm. They digitally removed him, wow. and Nataro filmed all of her scenes opposite nobody, and they digitally put her in the movie, and you would never know. And she was actually my favorite character. I was like. Wow. Oh, Act opposite a tennis ball and per <laughs> <laughs> anyway. 
All right, so uh, that one uh, is out in the theaters now, but also uh, in May 21st on Netflix. Uh, next big one, uh, there's a couple of them, Cruella, which is May 28th. Disney, of course, talking about Cruella uh, DeVille with the uh, 99, they're 101 Dalmatians. Okay, CJ, I'm telling you, I wasn't, even though this is kind of set in the fashion world and you know I used to be in that business, right. I wasn't all that excited about this. I was kind of like, it's right. Emma Stone, it's Emma Thompson, kind of go toe to toe. One of them is, a, you know, it's like Cruella DeVille, who Glenn Close played her in the last live action, 101 Dalmatians, played right. Cruella. Um, it's her prequel. It's her origin story, how she became evil, like where she came from. And I was like, eh. You know, it's probably not for me, even though it would sound like it would be for me, right? Like girl, <laughs> yeah. girl lead, Emma Stone, La La Land, the whole thing. But it was amazing. Like it's gonna be the sleeper hit of the summer. I think people, wow. people are gonna love this movie. And it's Craig Gillespie. If this tells you anything, if you saw I Tanya, the Tanya yes, Harding. Of course. That was great. He's also directing a Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson series. He's oh, also- okay a Mike Tyson series. So he kind of gets beho- behind the like infamous and notorious and, and the kind of like the, the evil and he puts them as the lead. Right. Right. So, so this, so Cruella, even though it's Disney, I actually talked to him about the movie and he told me that the Disney executive said, we don't want a Disney type movie. We want it to feel like if there was a, re- a, a Disney movie where somebody just got to rebel against all the Disney tropes and stereotypes this is that movie. And he said, we would show them stuff that we were sure they were going to be like, no, we can't put that in the movie. It's not Disney-esque. And they were like, go for it. So it kind of has an edge to it. and it's, But it still feels like, like I think it's also because we haven't been in the theater. Anything that kind of has that big spectacle feel and you're like, ah, oh, they spent money on this movie. <laughs> It fit, it it almost looks like a Tim Burton movie the way that uh, just the, the character and the and the the feel of it the vibe of it. Good point. That's a good point because yeah. I'm a huge Tim Burton fan and I loved it. So yeah, it, it definitely has that right. that vibe to it. I think they've been doing a great job with their live action. Like I loved Aladdin because I think they got the right director. They got Guy Ritchie, who's kind of a you know mm. he's like a rock and roll kind of cool director. He was married to Madonna. He does. <laughs> And then how do Aladdin? And people are like him, but then it worked because it had like you know a vibe. I uh, will see this only because you recommended it. But you know what bothers me about this movie? What? Too many Emmas. <laughs> I don't like it. Emma Stone, Emma Thompson. Then I got to deal with Emma Blunt in a, a, another movie. I typed it wrong. It's oh, another- okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, and by the way, I interviewed the two Emmas together: Emma Stone and Emma Thompson. So it was very weird because it was via Zoom, and you can't tell when you're looking at one of the right. other. Like, so Emma Stone, how do you feel about this? Emma Thompson, how do you feel about that? It's and like it's like when we were in elementary school and you had two people with the same name, Emma S and Emma T. Oh yeah, and you always had to be the cooler one because if you weren't, therapy, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right? The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed. Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
All right, so uh, a one that I'm really looking forward to, uh, you can tell, you know the type of movies I like, is uh, A Quiet Place, which is a sequel to this uh, amazing movie that came out a few years ago uh, by John Krasinski, which the idea is you have to stay completely quiet because aliens have come to take over the planet, and if you make a noise, they're going to get you. Right. They have super sensitive hearing, and so it was like, for anybody who didn't see it, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people listening have seen it because it was... It was, it was a huge sleeper hit. Like, it was made for hardly any money. John Krasinski, is first time directing. I think it was his first time directing. He wrote it, too, right? Yeah. He wrote it. And so, thank goodness, he came back. He wrote the sequel. He directed the sequel. It's not like he passed it off to anybody else. But then again, his wife, Emily Blunt, is starring in it. So he oh, got right. there you go. I didn't know that. Yeah. And uh, Noah Juke, this young actor who's been in so much, if you actually Google him and you see his resume, and I think he's only 15, who plays the kid. And, uh, you know, so yeah, so this is the follow up to it. And it's basically takes place exactly, which I like it when they do with the secret. When what? They pick up. Well, I like it. I think this is set a couple years after, but I like it when they just pick up with the action. They don't try oh, to yeah, yeah. Like at the beginning, oh, it's this much time later. And here's what's been happening. They just go right into it. Like it's from moment one. And it was kind of like that with the first one, right? Where you're just all of a sudden pulled into it. But yeah, it's one of those. And what was cool about that movie and what people talked about with that movie was when it came out, you'd go to the theater and everybody would be quiet. Like they're not trying not to or slurp on their Diet Coke or their Coke. Because, you know, you have that collective thing. Um, and I have to say the sequel's amazing. Like the sequel's really, really. Well, what, what I liked about it too, is the fact that, um, and once again, I haven't seen it just watching the trailer is that it seems like you see the, the monsters a lot more. The first one, it was kind of hidden and they came out, but this one, at least the way the trailer is, is, is showing you, it's just monster, monster, monster. And they're such creepy. The effects are so great. I just was thinking like, I automatically wanted to see it, but I even wanted to see it more. Uh, after seeing the trailer and that's kind of what this movie is like the first one sort of took place in their home and then in this one it's sort of partly at home but some of the family goes out into the world Mm -hmm. and because they think that they can you know i don't want to give anything away but the the one that you saw in the original was the tip of the iceberg which Uh i love when they do this with sequels it's like with jurassic park and that when you do a sequel don't do the dark version no and you know like like I give this, always give this example with like Thor. The first Thor I liked, the second one was terrible because it was called The Dark World. They went dark. And then oh. the third one, they just turned it on its head and made it so funny and over the top. And I'm like, please, when you do a sequel and you give us a monster in the first one, give us a thousand monsters in the second one. Well, <laughs> hey, the best example is Alien and Aliens. <laughs> Aliens yeah. got one and then and then Aliens there's freaking, you know, a thousand of the things and that's why it's so great. You take this kernel of idea, just go over the top with it and that's what people want to see, right? More importantly, the fact that you just said freaking and it reminds me of <laughs> so well because is that a Canadian thing that we It say? must be. I think here in the states it's freaking, but maybe with our accents it was freaking. Freaking. <laughs> the freaking thing, man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Quiet Place 2, I think it's going to do well. And what's cool is that the studios feel confident enough about the box office that they're putting up two big movies on the same weekend. So, you know, Memorial Weekend will be A Quiet Place 2 versus Cruella, which is the first time we've seen that in probably a year and a half. Which is great. Yeah, it is the first time. Yeah. Uh, and then the following weekend, June 4th, is another sequel to a huge franchise, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. 
And um, once again, talking about the Warrens, who I actually had the nephew of the Warrens on Talk is Jericho, and he col- he collects strange haunted artifacts. Oh, <gasps> really? Yes, and he has them all in his house, and they're really creepy. <laughs> so when you say artifacts, is it kind of like what they did? Because they were like demonologists and that. Like- ba- yes, basically. Uh, so Ed Warren passed away years ago, I think like in the late 70s, early 80s. But Lorraine just recently passed away, but she had really bad dementia for the last 10, 15 years. So their whole collection, I have to go back and remember what the guy's name was. Their whole collection went to their nephew and he had it all in his house. There's a place kind of uh, up in Rhode Island near um, uh, Providence. And I went there and it was just like, oh my gosh, this is so weird. There's so many creepy dolls and paintings and, you know, ancient artifacts and that sort of a thing. So that's part of the movies is that they end every movie with whatever artifact, whatever thing was haunting the house or haunting them, whether it was a doll's head or whatever, bring into their artifact room. So that's quite a thing to inherit. I don't know to inherit that. Um, I would be just like, give me the dough from all the TV appearances. (laughs) I don't want any creepy stuff in my house haunting me. Thank you very much. And that is literally in this house. I'm like, dude, that's a little bit nuts, man. I'd be down for that I, unless I was making money off it and charging admission like a, like a museum I don't think. and I think he had some kind of a, of, a, of a show like where you could see all this stuff where he talked about it but um, but the movie that we're talking about is is uh, devil made me do it which is out of the haunted house realm and talking about kind of a, a demonic possession out in the wild so to speak correct yeah you're telling me about this movie I love it yeah so the <laughs> Conjuring movies. So this is the eighth in the franchise. Like they have the Annabelle. How many? Movie, wow. La, La Llorona a couple of years ago, but it's the same director that did La Llorona. And it's now they're going out of the haunted house. They were like, we're going to jump to the eighties. And it's based on a real life case that the Warrens did where it was the first time in us history that someone used demon possession as a defense. So he was up for murder. It was this guy and his girlfriend's, brother was apparently possessed and he was this kid and so they did this exorcism and during the exorcism the guy said to the, to the demon go into my body don't harm this poor kid anymore and the demon possessed him he then murdered somebody that he oh, knew wow. and his defense in real life was the devil made me do it and that's why they use this term in the title of the movie but I really liked this one. Like the first one, you always you always like the first one in a franchise, right? The first Conjuring was great. I didn't love the second one because it was kind of more of the same, more haunted house. This right. one, if you're into like, I think the inspiration from this movie, there's definitely throwbacks to The Exorcist. There's throwbacks to Nightmare on Elm Street. There's throwbacks to like Poltergeist. But I also like that there's like an X-Files vibe to it where they're kind of like working with police and the police, and this actually happened in the 80s where police would start to use psychics in that to help them solve crime. So they bring in uh, Lorraine Warren. And so I really, I, I think this might've been my favorite of the country. Oh, really? Cause I like that vibe. Like the haunted house thing sometimes makes me laugh. Like it gets a little stupid. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Upstairs and oh, something's around the corner, but this was actually, um, and it's dark. Like when I'm telling you, like there's stuff, not it, not, it's not just like haunted, scary. It's like twisted. Okay. <laughs> There's a morgue scene. I'll just leave it at that. It's so <laughs> messed up. It's so messed up. So yeah. <laughs> I find when you t- have a, have a movie like you said, if there's eight of these things, 
you know they're going to have to up the ante, but not just doing more of the same. They have to kind of switch it up a bit. So I'm excited to see this one too because I was getting a little bit sick of the houses. I want out of the house, you know? Yeah, yeah. And James Wan, who produced, you know, directed the first two, he's now directing Aquaman. He did the first Aquaman and now he's doing the second one. So he didn't direct this one, but he produced it. And uh, I just talked to the whole cast, actually. I did the press conference for the movie for Warner Brothers. And, uh, you know, what was cool about it is like, you know, sometimes when you talk to people and there's been like 12,000 sequels, like you say, and yes. you talk to them and you feel like they're glazed over, they're yeah. very passionate about this franchise. Like I can I can feel that this is James Wan's baby. They're like taking care of the baby, you know, like they really mm-hmm. care very much about the franchise. Because by the way, I think it's the second biggest horror franchise of all time behind Godzilla. Like it's really? billions of dollars. If you look at, and this is why I want to get into horror as a producer, I think they've spent budget-wise like $100, $200 million, and they've made billions off of this brand. See, and that's the secret. It's And then that goes back to what I always tell you, Nikki, how I'm not a big fan of like these big-budget Hollywood movies. I like these type of movies. You get a budget, especially well, especially back then. But now it's probably 4 or $5 million. They're making $150, $200 off it. That, that, that's, that's where you make the big bucks. Yeah. Wait, I Turn. forgot ask you how you felt about award season if there was any because you always like those little gems did you catch any of them I, I didn't like the award season this year because there wasn't any movies that i really wanted to see and because i'm part of the because i'm sag i get all the movies in the mail on dvd which who still watches dvds but it was cool i appreciate it but there was literally nothing that i really wanted to see and then i didn't bother watching the awards either and it seemed like i wasn't the only one a lot of people were kind of against the awards this year just not wanting to watch it I think people have Zoom fatigue. What I found was really interesting is even the Grammys was down. Yeah. And the Grammys kind of made it feel live. And I'm like, oh, people will tune into to the Grammys because maybe they're not invested in the movies as much this year because there weren't any like big blockbusters like Black Panther nominated or anything. But, you know, the Grammys people will t- tune into because there's live performances and they had like right. Harry Styles there and Beyonce and everybody. And people didn't even tune into that. So, I mean, I think it's an anomaly, but I, I think it was tough in the sense that there weren't there weren't kind of like the mix of films that you see in other years where this year it felt very indie. It was only indie. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think too, just, I think there's so much politics this year, just being barraged with, we're all just getting barraged by both sides of the coin. I think maybe that people just, they were very political too. And I think people just didn't want to get involved in it this year. I just had that feeling too, because especially the Oscars, it's always very political. And I think people are just like, there's no movies we want to see. We know it's going to be political. Let's skip it this year. So I think that might have been a factor as well, personally. Even though I don't think a lot of the speeches this year were political because they kind of shot it in a different way. And instead, the Oscars, what they did, and I didn't like the ceremony at all. But what they did that I kind of appreciated, I just think the way they shot it was just wrong, was they told people, we don't want speeches where you thank people that no one knows. or you We want you to tell a story, kind of like how you got business or something personal, something that means something to you. And look, I think it was kind of interesting, but I think there's a time and place, and I don't think the Oscars is that time or place. Right. Good point. Experience. You know, I think, you know, they had a, it was tough too because they didn't have the star power that they normally do just because of the, t- the films that were nominated, right? Right, exactly. They have movie stars there that they normally do. They have some great actors, don't get me wrong, and some great films. A couple that were my favorites, um, and not the one that won wasn't my favorite, but, you know, I think people also tune in for the red carpet. They tune in for the carpet. Mm, the pomp and circumstance, of course. And, and those moments where you see people interacting and, you know, even the Golden Globes, when they cut to Golden Globes has a lot of issues right now, but 
when they would cut to commercial and you see like Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt, like having a conversation, yeah, 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 yeah. losing it up and whatever, you know? So I think you were sort of missing that spontaneous, glamorous, fun element. What did win best picture this year or last year? Nomadland, the Francis McDormand movie with, uh, gotcha. Yeah. It wasn't, like I said, it wasn't, wasn't my fave, but it was good. <laughs> okay. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Let's move on. Uh, another one that looks pretty funny, and it's uh, uh, another sequel, is The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. Great trailer. I mean, Ryan Reynolds, you can tell he's really found his uh, footing with, after the dead pool and kind of that kind of wacky, not vulgar humor, but kind of no filter humor. And uh, paired with, with Samuel Jackson and, of course, Selma Hayek. This looks like a fun one to me. Yeah, so this is the sequel to The Hitman's Wait, Bodyguard. Bodyguard? Now this is the hitman's wife's bodyguard. And I think it's just chemistry. It's like, first of all, Selma Hayek, if you've ever interviewed her or talked to her or met her, love her, love her, love her. She has so much energy. She never comes off and she's married to like a gazillionaire, you know? Right. She can come off like a little removed or I'm so fabulous. She's that girl that you walk in. She's like, girl, and she's talking to you and she's cool. And all of that energy she brings to that role. Like she plays Samuel Jackson's wife and then Ryan Reynolds, like you said, like he has two movies this summer. The other one's free guy. Um, But yeah, he just like, he kind of can just throw stuff away. Like he'll just joke and riff and whatever. And that's kind of what this is. He plays this bodyguard. It's a follow-up. And I I guess in this one, he's on sabbatical. Like he's not, he needs time off. And his firm is like, you need time off. You've been, you know, sitting somewhere and he's sitting there and he puts his headphones on and then Selma Hayek's character comes in and saves him from like an assassination attempt or something. And then he gets sucked back into it. So yeah, just a fun popcorn movie with fun performances. Doesn't take itself seriously at all. <laughs> you know uh, who was like that? Uh, the opposite of, of, of uh, Selma Hayek for me, Sofia Vergara. I went to the premiere of Jay and Silent Bob Redo, which I was in. And uh, I, I was talking to her husband, Joe, and she didn't uh, didn't even say hi. Really? Yeah. So I was like, okay, uh, I'll keep that up here. I keep it in my little uh, filing cabinet. Oh, I do, the same. I do the same. I do the same. Look, at, I knew her back in the day when she was a model and I was a model. In oh, my- wow. And she was dating a guy that was friends with my boyfriend at the time. So we hung out quite a bit. And... You know, she was like kind of a little bit of a star, like in South America. She was like that bathing suit, like right model. But like I was a model, but we we didn't go for the same jobs. Like she, we have yeah. different, we have different we're different, different types. body types, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, I love her because I don't know. I just love her persona. Maybe she was just having a bad day. I don't know. 
No, but yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't hugely surprise me. I'll just say that. Okay. You know, you know, the biggest disappointment for me about the hitman's wife's bodyguard is that the bodyguard wasn't played by Kevin Costner. <laughs> he needs Anyone? to have a cameo. Wait, I think there are cameos in this one. I'm reading. Oh, no, he's not one of the cameos. No, okay. it's Antonio Banderas, who's, of course, Selma's buddy. Morgan Freeman. Yeah, no, that would have been right. cool if all of a sudden he came and started singing I Will Always Love You. That could be for the Hitman's Bodyguard's Bodyguard for the for the three cool on that one. <laughs> Uh, speaking of three cool times up by three and we got fast and furious nine. Is there really nine of these things already? Yes. <laughs> and that, I don't even, that doesn't even count Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> well, didn't that cause a big rift between the, uh, between the cast members, Hobbs and Shaw, that rock kind of went out on his own and, uh, the rest of the cast was angry about that. I mean, I guess that's sort of the rumors that the two leads, you know, you got two alphas, you got, right. You, you got, I'm sorry, but you got Vin Diesel and you got The Rock on set. I mean, who's top dog? I don't know. <laughs> well, and, and so then uh, Rock goes and makes Hobbs and Shaw and then Vin Diesel brings in John Cena. That's a little bit of a, you know, hey, all right, let's do this. Here's what's so ironic about this whole situation is when you talk about loving people and talking to people, my two favorite people to talk to an interview, hands down, are Vin Diesel and The Rock. For wow. very, very but those are my two favorite people. Those are the two guys that behind the scenes, you walk in, they remember your name, they give you extra time, they go the extra mile, they treat everybody well, at least press, you know, like fans. Right. They're just like Vin, I like because when you interview him, he just kind of lets it all hang out. He's great, he's off the cuff. And The Rock is just that polite gentleman, consummate professional. Yeah, so I love them both. I actually really liked Hobson Shaw. Uh, really liked it. Looking forward to the next one. But yeah, so this is Fast and Furious 9. And then if people who remember like Han, the character Han, um, played by Sung Kang, who uh, supposedly died. Oh. He's back. And then, yeah, now you have John. So John Cena is playing Dom Toretto, which is played by Vin Diesel long lost brother and there's no love lost so they're kind of rivals in this movie oh brother yeah i'm actually going to see this movie on monday i haven't seen it yet but i've heard like they've always kind of been threatening they're going to go to outer space because like what else can they do <laughs> i don't know if they technically go to outer space but there is a rocket launcher on one of the backs of the car all right hold on this is when fast and furious 9 officially jumps the shark if they go to space much like Jason 10, Friday 13th Part 10, where they sent Jason to space. One of the worst episodes of the franchise. Don't go to space. That's <laughs> Don't go to space. But what I've heard is that, yeah, this is so over the top. So, I mean, it's already always been OTT. But yeah. this is OTT with a rocket launcher. <laughs> well, and I think, too, the fact that Han, uh, Han, uh, died and came back. That's obviously a homage to Han Solo, who died and came back uh, after the em end of Empire Strikes Back. And it's got to be, right? Of course. Okay. It's just <laughs> act. But yeah, this one, I think Fast and Furious, even though there is a Marvel movie coming out this summer, I think Fast and Furious is going to be the biggest box office of the summer. I think people are going to, even if it's cheesy, they're going to be like, that's what I need in my life. I need some cheese and some popcorn, and I'm going to go see. <laughs> <laughs> There's nine of them. Of course, it's going to be a hit. My goodness. <laughs> I know. Um, 
I gotta, uh, we're going to talk brief, briefly about Luca, animated family movie about a boy on the Italian Riviera who hides a secret with his best friend. And you sound excited. You're like a boy. But here's, here's what got me, though. I was like, yeah, what are they, like, you know, rabbits or mouse or whatever? But they're both sea monsters. That's my jam. I love sea monsters. I have the Loch Ness Monster tattooed on my arm right there eating the stones. Oh, my yes. gosh. So I'm going to start naming you Luca. I'm going to start nicknaming you Luca. Please do. And then I also uh, want you to sing the Suzanne Vega song whenever you think about this movie. My name is Luca. I live on the second floor. That should be the theme of this movie. Uh, Yeah. So look, this is Pixar. Has Pixar ever really gone wrong? No, I think not. So this one is set in the Riviera. Cowboy Story 3. I've actually never been jealous of an animated character before. And I'm actually jealous of Luca because he is a sea monster. I kind of want to be a mermaid. And so, and he gets to spend the summer in the Riviera, which I probably won't. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's, yeah, he's basically, it's like a coming of age story, but you know, it's like, even if they don't hook you with the idea of it, you know, you're going to see it and you know, you're going to end up loving it because it's Pixar and they don't mess up. They do everything right. So uh, yeah, this one to me, because I loved, if you like Moana, which I loved Moana, I think it kind of has that vibe where it's kind of like set and see and you're going to like be into it, like the culture of it all, the pizza, the Vespas, the whole thing. Looks really fun. Okay, I'll give it its due because they're sea monsters and I like sea monsters. <laughs> you're like, you had me at sea monsters. You yeah. didn't even say anything else. It wasn't even Pixar. The <laughs> I, although I, I do have this weird uh, premonition that I'm going to be the first person who ever uh, dies by getting eaten by a sea monster. And it's all documented. Like somebody films it on their phone and you actually see it come out and get me like Loch Ness Monster. And I'm stuck. That's so if I ever die from getting eaten by a sea monster, I'm calling it right now. So wait, you had a premonition that this was going to happen? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Since I was a kid. Really? Yeah. yeah. I'm scared to sl- swim in the lake sometimes. I always think a sea monster is going to be right underneath me. And I'm not talking about a shark or an alligator. I'm talking about a plesiosaur from 300 BC. Listen, what a way to go though, right? Well, hey, at least I'll always be famous for it, right? <laughs> like, we rediscover Plesiosaurus, whatever it is. Plesiosaur. Jericho. <laughs> yeah. I think it sounds like a fantastic way to go. Hopefully not for many, many years. But... Yes. <laughs> wild premonition. There you go. Um, what about an alligator? Speaking of wild premonitions, terrible segue. Black Widow. Uh, Scarlett Johansson and Florence Pugh. I love that name. Uh, the first Marvel movie in over a year and a half. And people are waiting for these things. People have been de- devouring these Marvel movies all pandemic long. Cause there's literally like 30 of them at this point in time. And they're all great. If you like one, you like them all except for Thor two, according to you. Except for Thor two. Although I still enjoy it, but I, I do dig a little bit of Thor. I love a little Thor. I think Thor is like, it's just okay, such well, a character. And Thor- I'm not talking about the actor. Yeah, is Thor in this one or what is this? this is Scarlet uh, Black Widow? So no, because this is kind of like Scarlett Johansson's origin. This is set after the events of Captain America: Civil War, and it's kind of before she became an Avenger. It's 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 her origin story. Because for anybody who knows what happened to her in Endgame, and if you haven't seen Endgame, even though it's the highest grossing or second highest grossing, they keep going back and forth movie of all time. Right. Something happens to her character, so it could only be a prequel. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so this is kind of like how she became, she was, you know, training, you know, she was a black widow, her training, how she became as kick butt as she was. Florence Pugh, 
who is a great actress, has a massive following, plays her, not her biological sister, but David Harbour, who plays, uh, who's in Stranger Things, plays her, not her, again, her biological father, but her mentor and Rachel Weisz is in it. And I wasn't, you know, like, I like the character and I'm excited about it. But what really sold me was the last trailer that they played during the MTV Awards, where it looks like a Mission Impossible movie. Oh, wow. Super high action. The action looks incredible. And people were saying like, like, oh my gosh, this is giving like Tom Cruise a run for his money. So I hope it's going to sort of have that vibe to it. It looks really cool. And, you know, she's, they've been talking about having her having her own movie for a long time. So, and yeah, first, first Marvel movie since uh, Endgame. <laughs> well, she's also one of the biggest stars in the world too. So I think it's going to do great box office combination of all those things. And definitely one of the best characters in the, in the Marvel universe, in my opinion. Yeah. Sure. She's a cool character. And uh, she's, um, and yeah, again, if we're talking on that, that slate of who's good people when you talk to them and who's not good people when you talk to them in person, she's good people. She's a nice All right. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, then we will give two thumbs up to Black Widow. Yeah. I'll be there. Uh, here's another strange one. I saw the original Space Jam uh, starring Michael Jordan from like 1990 or something like this. 1996. Is that what it was? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I thought it was older than that. Uh, this is a new one with LeBron James is, is coming out now. And listen, those Looney Tunes, they're so wacky. You never know what they're going to be up to. Bugs and, and Bugs in the gang and LeBron James. What could go wrong with this one? This is what I'm saying. Number one, he can act, which is insane because he's so talented at everything he does, obviously basketball. But the fact that he came out in train wreck a couple years ago and people were like, LeBron James can act. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> you see athletes, even when they're like in a, like a beer commercial or something and they have one line and they're so wooden, they can't act at all. But right. he's good. And I think it's like one of those movies too, because it comes out July 16th, where like people are ready for this fun, campy. And yeah, it's a continuation. So you're going to have the OGs that are going to want to like love the original that are going to be into this. <laughs> You've got all the basketball fans. You've got Looney Tunes fans. It's he's playing himself where he, you know, plays in this mega basketball game, kind of half animated, half himself with all the Looney Tunes against these aliens to save the world. What could ever go wrong with a movie like that? Like, I want for that. I want one person in the world to claim that they are an OG Space Jam fan. I'm an OG, yo. Are you an OG? And I no, well, I, I, I would I wouldn't call myself an OG for Space Jam. I, I, I was a fan, but OG's like a gangster. There's no gangsters when it comes to Space Jam. True. I'm sure. And they're probably like Michael There might Jordan. be. There might be somewhere. They're so. like Michael Jordan stands or Looney Tunes stands. They're like, that Bugs man. <laughs> they have all these Marvel movies, but I love some Bugs Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's go on to another one that you said might be a little bit campy. And this one we've been waiting for for a while. I remember, I remember when this one got uh, postponed last year. I was thinking, really? You guys are postponing this movie for a year? Talking about Jungle Cruise, once again, with the aforementioned Rock. Just thinking how how ridiculous that seemed at the time that you would postpone a movie for a year. But that was became the norm after that. It's like, oh my gosh, is it really? It's like the Stones postponing a year. Motley Crue and Def Leppard now postponing for another year. It was so mind-boggling to think. But now, July 28th, Jungle Cruise is coming out. 
and didn't it seem so far away? And now here we are. Exactly. Uh, yeah, but Jungle Cruise. So, I, yeah, weirdly, this was one I was excited about from the get-go. And I think some people were like, well, why don't they just drop it on Disney Plus? But I, you know, committed to waiting. And I'm Spectacle, kind of yeah. Because now, again, it's like these campy fun movies, like a Jungle Cruise, like Space Jam, that you're like, you know what? I can't wait to go and see this and just have fun and just like, you know, just be totally entertained. So yeah, it's based on, which I'm revisiting my childhood here. Cause I think everybody has their like favorite Disney ride. Right. And I always loved jungle cruise. Like I just oh. thought from growing up in Canada to like be on this boat. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, wow. <laughs> you know, maybe a sea monster will pop up. <laughs> yeah. There's no jungles around Lake Ontario. I know that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's basically, it's based on the ride and, you know, the rock plays a riverboat captain, Emily Blunt, who is also in A Quiet Place 2, plays this scientist who hires him to take her deep into the Amazon because she thinks that there's, um, she's a scientist and she heard that there is, I think, a stone or something there that has healing properties. And of course, they got to face the elements to get there. And then there's like a competing German team that's trying to get there first. It's just going to be, look. They had me when I saw The Rock in his little like sailor cap, his <laughs> muscle shirt, and then Emily Blunt's so likable. Like it's just a Disney fun, like can't wait for it kind of movie. My favorite uh, Disney ride was Pirates of the Caribbean, for real. Yeah, that was my num- numero two. So they did a great job with that movie. I, I got to be honest, I didn't really dig this trailer too much. I don't like trailers that don't really tell me what happens or what's going on, um, but it's The Rock, so it's always good. Also, another thing I don't like, I don't like the fact this Emily Blunt shows up in two, uh, two big blockbuster movies. I don't like that. That wasn't the plan because I, they were meant to come out. Well, I guess they were both, both meant to come out last year around the same time. But she's in demand. I mean, people really, people really like her. But, you know, I think I, I'm very curious to see how this is. I actually think it could be a sleeper. I think it could be a sleeper because I just saw, uh, I think they just released a new trailer. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is okay. Be- then I got to see the new trailer because this this one didn't really convince me. But uh, like I said, we'll have to wait and see. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. One trailer that I loved was Suicide Squad, which I thought was the name of the first movie, but it wasn't called Suicide Squad? The first one was Suicide Squad, and this one is The Suicide Squad. Now, come on. Really? You're going to do that to us now? Here's what I want. I want all sequels to just have a number. Number one, number, number three, number four, number five. And you know, they, they'll they they'll do the, like, even even though I love the movie, uh, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. It's like semicolon, and then there's a whole thing. Right. When you're trying to recall movies from, like, their library, I'm like, which one was which? I can't remember. Just number them, please. Just number them. It's like when I was in WWE, there was the World Championship and then the World Heavyweight Championship depending if you're on SmackDown or Raw. And it's like, I don't know which one is which. They're both the World Championship. No, this is the World Heavyweight Championship. So this is Suicide Squad and the Suicide Squad. Right. 
that's making it unnecessarily difficult for us, Nikki. It's a lot. It's a lot to deal with, right? I mean, come on, make things simple for us. But yeah, I agree with you. This looks, doesn't, don't you think this kind of has a Guardians of the Galaxy vibe? It looks great. And let me say this. I didn't say this before. John Cena has done a great job in his acting career because uh, this is the real John Cena. He's very droll. He's very uh, sarcastic. And when he talks about whatever the guy's name that he plays, talking about Dick Beach or something like that, or the, the, all the dicks on the beach or something, that was classic Cena. That was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. His character is called the Peacemaker, but he's the guy. He calls himself the the something like the cheesy Captain America or the like over the top Captain America. Okay. Tries to be the good guy, but he's kind of a piece of crap. And so it sounds like what you're saying. Like he's kind. Of, I'm not saying he's a piece of crap, but you know what I mean. Like he's right. He's almost the butt of the joke because he's so sincere. But people are. He's like the laughing stock kind of thing. And I think that kind of that works. I mean, I like when he plays into that. Like you said, that side. But yeah. So it's Margot Robbie is back. Some like of the her. cast is back. Um, Joel Kinnaman is back. Who's a great actor? Pete Davidson is being added to the cast, which is an interesting choice. Idris Elba is being added to the cast. Michael Rooker. Um, He's good. Yeah, it's a great cast, but it's also James Gunn who brought him over from Guardians of the Galaxy. James Gunn did Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2. Right. And he was, uh, so now he's doing Guard- Guardians of the Galaxy 3, but in the interim, he did the Suicide right. Squad. And it has that vibe where it has like when, when Guardians came out and it was like Rocket and Groot, and you were like, these are creatures that, like, in theory wouldn't work, but it was the greatest thing. So now this one has King Shark, which is, like, this half-man, half-shark, speaking of sea creatures. Voiced by uh, Stallone, which is great. Voiced by Stallone, which is awesome. And you're going to have, like, a giant starfish. And, like, the, the tra- for people who haven't seen the trailer, just Google it and you'll see what we're talking about. But it's – and go on YouTube. But it's it's so quirky and has that vibe of, like, I, I, I think it's going to be amazing. Like, I – I'm hoping it's going to be amazing. Because <laughs> you take this when you do stuff like that, right? The fact that uh, – what's the guy's name? The fact that uh, James Gunn is doing Guardians and Suicide Squad. Was it Joss, Joss Whedon that did Star Wars and uh, Star Trek? No, who was it? it? Oh, you mean um, – What's the guy's name? It's not Joss Whedon. What's the guy's name? I want my drawing blank. I can see his face. I can see his face. I'm going to look it up right now since I have this uh, on my uh, tip of my toes. But I don't like these guys when they do both movies because then it's like, well, that's kind of not fair. I mean, pick one and stick with it, right? Or are we allowed to do this now? I mean, I think it's kind of that. I mean, look, you're 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 talking about DC versus oh, JJ so, yeah. Abrams. Thank that's you. what we're talking about. JJ, <laughs> who I think is like, oh my gosh, talk about a smart, amazing man who. Gosh, he's he's been a part of so many big projects, but yeah. So, um, so James Gunn, the fact that he's doing DC and Marvel, kudos to him, right? Like, if you can do both, if you can get hired by both studios, good for you. We're okay with that. I'm okay with it. Okay. You know, I think they're just they're so different, and and Suicide Squad kind of had mixed reviews. I don't think people really loved it, and so the fact that he's not. Even though this is a sequel, it's kind of an offshoot and it's going to be its own thing. And it's going to have that quirky humor. It's going to have a lot more humor, a lot more quirkiness. I think he'll make it like he'll make it sing. You know, he'll make it really work. Is Will Smith in this one? He's not in this one. All right. But what they were going to do, I don't think he could do it um, schedule wise. So they're setting up the potential. Instead of having the Idris Elba character take over, they're having him not be the same character. 
and they're setting it up so Will Smith could possibly return. Okay. Uh, in another, okay. yeah. Um, here's an interesting one. I'm a big fan of these. Uh, is it biopics or biopics? It's so funny that you said that because when you and I met when I was at Young Hollywood, right? And I said by I said biopic when I interviewed somebody, and people tore me apart on YouTube. Like, what is she talking about? And I'm like, we say bi- I think we say biopic in Canada. I but think I- so. Here it's biopic. Because now I always say biopic, but reminds, I want to say biopic. <laughs> biopic reminds me of Biodome starring Ch- uh, Pauly Shore. <laughs> yeah, so yeah why did that win an Academy Award? <laughs> All right, so I like these biopics. Um, I love the James Brown one, of course, obviously the Johnny Cash. Uh, this one is Respect uh, about Aretha Franklin and starring Jennifer Hudson. That's like the greatest casting ever. Like, as soon as I said Jennifer Hudson, I'm like, well, that's the perfect person for this. Yeah. And what else do I need to say? Biopic, Jennifer Hudson plays Aretha Franklin. Aretha kind of had a say in in everything before she passed. She was involved in the film, you know, getting the film off the ground and, you know, giving the okay. And of course, of course, you're going to say, yes, please, Jennifer. Nobody else could sing my songs but you. Right. This role. So she signed off on it. So Aretha signed off on this before she passed away? She did. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think it's interesting that it's being released in August because I would have thought and it's 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 changing now. But when you're positioning somebody for an Academy Award or potentially to win for Best Actress or something like that, usually you'll release in like September, October, November. It's not always the case now. Now it's changing. But I'm hearing that this is more like a crowd pleaser that will she'll be nominated for sure. But I'm hearing that this has that. And if you watch the trailer, it really has that feel like the chills in my, you know, I got the chills, the hair in my arm stood up watching it. It looks really good. And then we have Forrest Whitaker playing her dad. Marlon Wayans plays her uh, real life first husband um, and manager. There's always that story, right? About the manager that like, right. they marry the manager and they're bad news or whatever it is. But yeah, Tina Turner story. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, we know that these move that we know that the Oscars love these movies because Rami Malek won an Academy Award for playing Freddie Mercury, um, or was at least nominated, whatever, or the movie won or something. Okay, won. Um, the only Golden Globe, but he won. The movie didn't win the Oscar for Best Picture, but he won for Best Actor. It was nominated. Only thing I don't like about uh, this Respect trailer. Yeah, I get it. She sings Respect, and that's all they play over again. Honey, Respect, just a little bit. A story of a woman coming to her own. Respect just... And a man who opposed her. Respect just... Like, put on some Think or Freeway of Love or any of these other songs that she sang in there. I, I get it. It's called Respect. Quit hitting me over the head with the Respect branch. I got nothing. I'm going to just let you see up. I got nothing. I agree. She's <laughs> got a whole volume of music. Maybe you're not showing you everything. Not showing you everything. It's just the trailer. I don't want to give all the way good moments. A couple more left here. Free Guy... With, uh, once again, same rule with Emily Blunt. Do we need another Ryan Reynolds here? Scenery chewing his way uh, to a main event, a main main leading man status. But he plays a guy who's in a video game and tries to make himself the hero so he can save the game if it's shut down. Yeah, so he's basically this dude, and he puts on his little outfit, and they show his wardrobe, and it's always the same outfit. And he's like, doop, 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 and he goes and works in a bank. And then he realizes 
he gets caught up in like, but his everyday life is like people getting shot and rolled over, but then they come back to life. And he's that guy that he's not a player in the, you know, you play a video game and you're not a player, but you see all these people in the background. So he right. finds out that he's a background guy. He's not a leading guy. And he finds out he's in a video game and he's like, hold on, I'm going to become the leading guy. I could be a hero in a video game. And then he finds out that the people are trying to shut down the video game. So he has to make the game and save the game and save his friends in the world. So I don't know. I think it's cute. And he, again, like he just kind of, you, you feel the improv, like he's such a great improver and then he makes it, he makes it work. Like another actor, you might not want to see this movie. You know, it's going to be fun with him. What are the chances that he pulls a Hugh Grant or a Vince Vaughn and plays the exact same character in this movie that he plays in every other movie? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I'm saying, are you saying there's a chance? I'm saying there's a very good chance. <laughs> um, self, you know. Oh, yeah, always, yeah, always. Um, this one really interests me because I've become a big fan of Jordan Peele's horror movies. I love the fact that he focuses on uh, African-Americans in the movies, which is is such a dumb point, but it's so valid. There's never been African-American stars in horror movies. I think that was one of his big reasons why he did Get Out and he did Us. And here he is with one of the greatest I guess killers and movies ever that was played by the great, by the great Tony Todd for many years. Uh, Candyman. Yeah. As soon as you had this listed, I was like, this is great because this is the perfect Jordan Peele joint with, with Candyman, who was an African-American uh, horror movie killer. It's so perfect. And what Jordan Peele does so well is the marketing of movies, because you think about Get Out and everybody, you know, you have that imagery in your head, right, of Get Out and that it also had a social message. But then I think us with the scissors, yeah. like that sort of imagery with the scissors that and the music, he always has a really cool soundtrack and and it kind of becomes a thing like a pop culture thing where everybody talked about scissors when that movie came out. And then this time around, because it's Candyman and what brings out the Candyman for people who don't know the previous films is looking in the mirror and saying Candyman five times. And so, you know, you're going to have people joking about that and doing it on their social media. And, you know, it's going to be one of those talking points. Like, will you say Candyman five times? Don't I do it. <laughs> Don't do it. But it's Yahya Abdul-Mateen, who is the star in it. It's also exciting to me because he is a phenomenal actor. Um, and But he's not, here's the thing. Jordan Peele is not directing it. He is producing and writing it. Uh, but he's not directing this one. It's Nia DaCosta that's directing it. So You know, his, his fingerprints are going to be all over it, though. Totally. I mean, you look at it and it feels like a Jordan Peele movie. So Yeah. yeah. I, I just love, I love the, like, once again, it's it's kind of the cheesy horror movie uh, trope, but it's not cheesy in the trailer. Well, they, they do say it, five girls in the ladies' bathroom say it, and then, you know, wackiness ensues as they're all murdered. So I'm really excited about this one. Like I said, I love Jordan Peele's movies. And to me, this was a pleasant surprise because, as you know, Nikki, I don't follow along with anything that's going on unless I talk to you. So as soon as I saw this, I was like, this is great. I can't wait to go. And that's why I love talking to you, because number one, we can be frank. But number two, um, I'd rather be Chris, but. I always love to get your <laughs> I always love to get your take on things because I'm always curious when I send you these big long lists, like which ones you're gonna be excited about because it's you're unpredictable, which I love. Like I kind of know what your vibe is, but I right. among these, there's bigger ones, there's more quirky ones. I never know which one you're gonna be like, 
oh my gosh, I'm so excited about this one. And I can guess, I thought this might be one, but I'm happy to know I was right. <laughs> you, are. you are. And there's ones that I kind of put in my, like, okay, I'll, I'll want to see this in the theater if possible. But for me too, spending so much time on planes, especially now that we're going to be going, I'll be traveling cross country back to LA quite a bit and going overseas, God willing, soon. I always have my, my airplane movies. For example, one of my favorites of all time was Baby Driver. I had really had no real interest in seeing the theater, but I kind of wanted to see it. And when I watched it on the plane, I watched it two times there and back because it was so great. So I'm, I'm sure some of these will fit that category as well. Yeah, that director also has a movie coming out this summer, a smaller movie, which I didn't put on the list. But yeah, I'll text it to you after and you can check it out. Okay. Uh, so two more films to talk about. One I'm super excited about, one that I have to just say because – we're going to laugh about it. So I, I, I want to leave on a high note. Let's the one that, okay, old M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong. I knew it. Oh my gosh. I put it in because I'm like, I wonder if this is a Jericho movie. I'm totally. I watched it. So I, okay. So I, I'm like most of the world. You have a love-hate relationship with this guy. He's made two or three of the greatest horror movies and a whole lot of just the worst ever. And this movie, uh, judging by the trailer, is uh, about a of mom who takes her kids to the beach and then they go behind a rock and they come back from five years old to 50. And then, and then the big line is something's wrong with this beach. <laughs> Gee, do you think so? Oh my God. How do you make a whole movie about that? Here's the thing. Yeah. So I guess the whole premise of this movie and with, and I love M night Shyamalan because it'll always <laughs> give you a twist. At the end, right. And, um, Wait, what is, I'm drawing a blank on his very first, I see dead people. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense, which, have we talked about this? I knew the whole time he was dead. Yeah, so did I. There's there's one, and I'm not, I'm not just saying that, Nikki, there's one scene where he's sitting there and they're talking and they don't, they don't, they don't acknowledge him. It's right near the beginning. And I was thinking to myself, I know I see dead people. It's the kid and the cop, another cop. And I'm like, he's the dead person that, the kid sees that's the one i knew it too but here's what made it ultra disappointing was i thought everybody knew it and i saw it in the theater and i thought like i was waiting for a twist i thought yeah. it was just the known thing and then when they revealed he was dead and everybody in the theater was like <gasps> i was like that was it <laughs> but the thing you know what i hate the most about those whenever people like us say that other people go, bullshit, you didn't know. I was like, I really, like, I'm not going to lie about knowing the plot twist for Sixth Sense. Like, you know, the plot twist for The Village, you got me. But Sixth Sense, I was like, dude, I saw that from the start, and I remember the scene. I've only seen it once. It was right there when they're sitting uh, in the living room, and the kid's talking to the cop, and neither one of them, or the cop's not acknowledging Bruce Willis. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah, and you know what? I'm not going to call you on that one. I believe you. I believe, I believe you. Thank you. Thank you. Just have that. <laughs> if no one else believes us, we believe each other. That'll be our club. So, yeah. uh, old, are we liking this or are we not liking this? I don't know. It's always hard to tell with his movies, yeah. right? Until you see them, until the reviews come out. And then I think the poor guy's probably under so much pressure to come up with great twists in every movie that he writes and makes now. But yeah, I guess this one is the whole thing is this beach. You live out your life in the course of 24 hours. So, anybody that goes to the beach ages. And, you know, he always has a hook. It's whether or not he pulls it off in, in terms of the in theory, in terms right. film. That said, every time I see his name, for whatever reason, I'm down for it. And whenever I see his name, I'm like, I'll see it. Because even if it's not the best, even if it's not. And look, Sixth Sense was a great movie, regardless yeah. of 
even though I knew the ending. Um, you know, even if they're not up to that, I, I'm still always intrigued at what he comes up with because I love those kinds of movies. I love those supernatural thriller twist kind of movies. Yeah, you know, and you said you know you go to the beach and live out your life in 24 hours. That's happened to me a few times during spring break. <laughs> it also sounds like my last year of my life. <laughs> All right. All of a sudden, I feel like I'm 150 years. <laughs> All right. So here's the one that I'm looking forward to the most, and I'm sure you probably guessed this. Actually, you even said you're doing this one for me because you, when you pick out all the movies, talking about Get Back, which is uh, Peter Jackson's version of all the footage. Not, let me rephrase that. There's a movie that came out in 1970 called Let It Be, which is known forever as the most depressing uh, Beatles movie product ever because it shows the band basically breaking up. It's really depressing, really sad. Peter Jackson got a hold of the 56 hours of footage and says, this is not a depressing movie. These guys weren't at each other's throats. They were actually having a great time making this movie and has now taken these 56 hours and edited his own version of the last, basically the last time frame of the Beatles uh, career, shall we say, even though they recorded Abbey Road afterwards, but that's another story. I am so excited to see this because it was supposed to come out, I think, in 2019, then got delayed to 20 just because of production, and then got delayed till 21. As a Beatles fan, this to me is the crown jewel of the summer. That will, and look, the fact that you just did the preview, <laughs> you probably know way more about the history of the Beatles and the story of being a mus musician and being into it than I ever could. I'm just, you just mic drop that whole situation because I couldn't have said it better. And you're right. And I think it's going to be something like, how do you, I think a big challenge for, for him was cutting down 56 hours of footage into a film. And I'm not really sure the running time exactly, but Beatles fans are going to go, you know. Well, and I think once again, too, though, it's one of those things where, yes, Beatles fans, they're going to watch it and like it no matter what. But I think if he does a good enough job, I think people will want to see it. Because it's once it's a slice of this period of time when you had the biggest band of all time who changed the course of, 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 of pop culture completely and they're having fun and you can see it in the trailer. It's just you see Paul McCartney then and we, obviously we know him now at almost 80 and Ringo as well. But these guys were just kids like they're 28, 27 years old and think about the life they've led. I was just really excited to see just a slice of what it was like to be in London in late 1969. I think that's going to be fun to see. And being somebody that I'm not the hugest Beatles fan, I'm a U2 fan, which I think we've talked about. Well, by proxy, then you would understand this. But when I saw that footage, what was fascinating to me, because John Lennon to me is like a mythical figure. Right. You know, I didn't grow up knowing his music. I grew up after, you know, he had was already had already passed. So for people who never experienced it, it was like a window. It was like, oh, my gosh, we get to see him. We, we you As a guy. Yeah. yeah, and you've seen the archival footage and the greatest performances and the stuff you've seen over and over. But, oh, my gosh, to see stuff you've never seen and the way, yeah, just being normal and interacting with each other. I was fascinated. So you're right. I mean, Beatles diehards are going to go crazy for it. But just in like in the way that, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody or even respect. Exactly. Yeah, you're, you'll be into it because you'll be interested to learn even if you didn't start out as the biggest fan. And the best documentaries are always like that. You know, I mean, whether uh, King of Kong, whether you like video games or not, is one of the best documentaries you'll ever see. Same with American movie. Same with, you know, I'm too old for this shit. There's a lot of great movies out there that you don't even have to be a fan of 
movie making, heavy metal, video games. It's about the characters and about the people. And we all know the Beatles as, you know, four of the most iconic, if not the four most iconic musicians of all time. So I'm excited just to see, like I said, this this piece of history done in a positive way rather than this negative way that the original Let It Be was done. And I mean, it's Peter Jackson. I mean, Exactly, well, Peter Jackson, right. You know that he's doing this right. And you know it's going to be iconic. Like, it's just, it exactly. already has that stamp all over it. But yeah, to your point, docs have become such a huge thing now. People are so yeah. into docs. Last year, because I'm a you know a member of the Critics' Choice, and I vote in the Documentary Awards, and I vote in the Main Awards, and I think the docs, I probably liked just as much, if not more, than the regular films this past year. There's been so many great documentaries. like, And they do. They transport you into a different world. They do. I, I, I pr- produced the documentary last year. I'll, have, I'll send it to you. You did? About yes. what? It's called I'm Too Old for This Shit. And it's about um, my life. It's my biopic. <laughs> <laughs> it's about this band that uh, that disbanded 30 years ago when they were in their teens. And what they didn't know was that uh, their music had made it across to Germany and they had a big fan base in Germany. They hadn't played together for 30 years and find out they have this big fan base. So they go over and play this festival in Germany. And in their 50s, their dreams finally come true of being rock stars uh, for one weekend. Amazing! Oh, I want to watch it. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll send it to you. It's uh, like, like the real life Eurovision. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Last question for you, Nikki. So, what what's the movie that you're most looking forward to, and what do you think is going to be the biggest hit out of all the ones we discussed? Well, I think you know between Fast Nine, yeah, and Black Widow in terms of the biggest hit, like box office. The yeah. one thing about Black Widow is it's going to release on the same day on Disney Plus, um, like a premium. Mm, for- interesting. I think that that won't give you the true box office, so that's why I think Fast and Furious might overtake it. Um, let me see. Looking over this list, which one am I most excited for? Personally, I mean, honestly, Fast Nine. I think because of the fact that I just want to, I just want to be. Like I remember one of the most fun experiences I ever had at the theater was a Transformers movie. Right. It was going to be so cheesy and so over the top. And I've had so much reality the last year. I want fantasy escape, silliness, over the top, just laugh at the screen, fun. And so I think that's why I'm excited about like seeing that with a crowd and, you know, Mm -hmm. Yeah. what about you? Um, I, I, I agree with you. I think fast will be the box office King, although Scarlet or uh, black widow too. Um, obviously I love zombie movies. And like I said, Dave's a, a good friend of mine and Zack Snyder. So I want to see army of the dead. I'm excited to see, uh, the suicide squad. Um, and I'm excited to see the Beatles movie. And also the sleeper for me that I'm really looking forward to is uh, Candyman. That one to me is the one that that's, that's, that's the first on my list for sure. Yeah. I would say, yeah, my number two is probably suicide squad. And then Sleeper would probably not not it's just not a Sleeper because it's Pixar. But I'm excited to see Luca. But I'm a, I love animated films. I'm a big sucker for animated films. So yeah. And I'm a big sucker for sea monsters. So once again, <laughs> perfect combination. And I'm a big sucker for biopics. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki, it's always great talking to you. This was your idea. I'm glad you did this because it's such a poignant uh, uh, time for for movies. And uh, I think this gives old people a lot of incentive to go and check out. I saw a great um, ad. I don't even remember where I saw it. Maybe maybe on Netflix or something where it's reminding people about how fun it is to go to the movies. I don't know where I... Have you seen this ad? 
Uh, well, uh, I think Netflix came out with like um, like that a fizzle reel, but then also Matthew McConaughey, I think. That's the something. one. Yeah. And it, it was whatever it was on. And I was just like, it was a really smart idea because I think a lot of people forgot just how cool it is to go to the movies. And I'm excited to go for sure um, as soon as I can. Interesting was when I was putting together this list, and thank you for having me on because it was my idea. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Anytime, every time. And so long. But I was like, truly, like, I don't know if people realize like this is an impressive list of blockbusters that like movies are coming. It's not even like they're testing the waters. They're just throwing. They're ready to go. Yeah. Ready to go. And there's so many great choices. And I mean, the fact that I had like 20 something on my list, I was like Peter Jackson with 56 hours. of footage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, which, which ones I'm going to give to CJ. So I'm glad. To like, and, there, and then there's a whole slew of streaming stuff that's coming out, but I just picked stuff that was coming out in theaters. Uh, but thank you for having me on. It's always a blast to chat with you. <laughs> it's just like, you know, honestly, it's like, it's like the jungle cruise. It's like, you're the riverboat captain and I'm just along for the ride. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get ready for the big winter movie pre preview preview and we can discuss how these ones did. It'll be perfect. Can't wait. And yeah, I already know it's coming out even like beginning of September. It's nuts. So yeah, you're such, you're such a keener. You're such a movie keener. Keener. <laughs> you probably got all A pluses in school too, didn't you? I did. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Nikki. Thank you. Thank you.